G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. On 2020 today, we're going to be talking about and unpacking the question, why is marriage under such attack? As the same-sex marriage debate continues and with marriage week just behind us, one can't help but feel, where are we headed? What is marriage and what does it mean to us as Christians when our values and covenant of marriage are being questioned? And as Christians, how do our values stand strong and on the solid foundation of the gospel? Paul Ryan from Paul Ryan from LL Ministries joins us to share about what are the core foundations of marriage and how do we move from heartbreak to healing and to the promise of loving relationships with ourselves, with God and with our spouses. Paul, welcome to 2020. Yes, thank you for having me, Janine. Good to be here. Paul, latest statistics have revealed one in three marriages will will end in divorce and one in five people will marry more than once. Why do you think marriage is under such attack right now? Yeah, great question. I think um, primarily if we consider why marriage exists and what the author of marriage had in mind when he created it, that might help us understand why there is attack on it. Uh, To begin with, when it comes to uh, marriage, it, it's one of the covenants. I mean, not many people think of it like that, but Malachi 2.14 says that marriage is a covenant. And so if marriage is a covenant, then like every other covenant in the Bible, it's meant to also reveal something about the nature and the character of God. So the question is, what is a marriage meant to reveal about the nature and the character of God? And when you start to ask that question, you think, well, if God's created us male and female, like it says in Genesis 1.27, then there must be attributes of what a male and what a female bring that represent some of the nature and the character of God. So just off cuff, a woman, I mean, she has an eye for beauty, she's gentle, she's gracious and compassionate and nurturing, and they're all attributes of a holy God in his nature. And as for a man, we might traditionally think of him as the strength, the protector, the provider, uh, the one that stands for the truth, the warrior, if you like, prepared to fight and defend and protect all he loves. And again, they're attributes of a holy God. If you bring both of those attributes together in a marriage, in a covenant, then we get two aspects of God coming together to reveal a picture. And so a man and a woman who can reveal all those attributes about a holy God, it's also pointed to the fact that ultimately marriage is meant to reveal to this world that Jesus is returning for his bride. Because Ephesians 5 and elsewhere talks about the mystery of the gospel and how in understanding marriage we get some picture of, of, of this mystery of the gospel and, and the Godhead. So the reality is, I suppose, bottom line, First of all, why marriage is under attack, if a marriage is working really well and you see a couple that are really just humming, you see something about them that's holy, that's special, you're drawn to them. And the question is why? It's because when you see that, you're reminded somewhere deep inside that there is a holy God who is coming back for his bride. It's a witness. A marriage that's really working well under Christ is resembling the the promise. It's, It's reminding us, if you like, of the promise that Jesus is coming back for his bride. Now, if I'm the enemy... I don't want that message going out. So I have to attack both men and women and bring wounding into a marriage so they cannot reveal that picture. And what, what do you think God's purpose is for marriage then? That key point would be the first one, that God wants us to be able to reveal his character and nature of this world when they see a couple coming together in holy matrimony and reveal the picture of who God is and his nature and his character. But more importantly, it's actually to reveal it to the next generation. Because here at LL Ministries, 
many of the people we're ministering to, in fact, I would say all of them, have one common issue, and that is that somewhere in their family upbringing, the breakdown in relationship, the hurts and the wounds. I mean, if you think, if you just ask a simple question, think of the biggest wound you've ever suffered in your life, and I'll guarantee it's a relational breakdown, and I'll almost guarantee that it's probably come somewhere in your family backdrop. Then that means then marriage is meant to be a spiritual covering under which children are raised in, in like child-fertile soil, to be able to understand the nature and the character of God through a man and a woman and revealing their attributes of what a holy God is like in both how they come together and the way they connect and love each other and how they invest in the next generation. So if I'm the enemy, why would I want to attack that and and particularly attack the purpose for marriage? If I can mess up a mum and a dad and they come together in a marriage with masks and hurts and wounds and that surfaces over time because if we're really honest... Every one of us comes to a marriage wearing masks and when the mask comes off, generally all sorts of tensions begin to surface and then the children that come in that marriage, what they're looking at in their parents doesn't always give them the accurate view of what a holy God is like, which was God's original tension for marriage, to reveal to the next generation what the nature and the character of God is like as a loving, gentle father who wants to invest in his children uh, through a mum and a dad who can reveal those attributes. Now, you've been in ministry for 25 years. Um, Mm. You've you've shared a little bit about what you've seen where couples get it wrong, I guess, with regards to the hurts and wounds of their upbringing. But what what are the pitfalls in a marriage relationship? Marriages are on the rise, but latest stats say that 80% of couples now cohabitate before they tie the knot. Tell us a little bit about how couples get it wrong in in the sanctity of marriage. Yeah, look, um, I I think... If I carry on from the previous responses, I think some of the pitfalls for both men and women are linked to those issues where we're carrying wounds into the marriage. I think, so for example, just uh, our family influences. If we look at, say, what we bring to the marriage, sometimes what couples don't look to or perhaps uh, don't address in, say, pre-marriage counselling is where in our family lines are there patterns and um, influences that may not be godly? You know, if there's fear, and fear will always drive control and manipulation. We don't trust God. We have to take control of the reins. Those patterns come down the family line, and we've been raised in a family like that. We'll bring that into our marriage. If we come with addictions or if there are issues where we've just had very angry parents and and we've been criticized heavily and there's a lot of insecurity in us, we'll bring those issues into the marriage and project those onto our spouses. So family influences are quite big. But I find, actually, apart from that, which is fairly key, that would be my first issue I'd be looking for in a marriage where it's starting to falter, uh, I think that some of the other pressures that come in marriage are simply that when it all starts to go pear-shaped, we always have a tremendous habit of wanting to blame the other person. Uh, I don't know about you, Janine, but I find always, I'm, I'm always the last one to look at. And if, if my mother offered me any wisdom, it was this. She said, Paul, when everyone else is wrong but Jack, it's time to have a look at Jack. And uh, it took me a long while to work that out, particularly when the pressures that were on my own marriage. But uh, when we start to look at some of the pitfalls in regards to that, I think sometimes we fail to really look closely at our own hearts and we're too quick to blame the spouse rather than allow God to change us. And if each spouse is doing that, Lord, where is it that I need to change in my heart here in this marriage? If each spouse is doing that, we're each drawing closer to God in that. And as we're being restored and healed, the marriage can only improve. So I would think that would be some of the big issues I've seen in ministry over the last 25 years in a marriage. I'm speaking with Paul Ryan from LL Ministries. Now, LL is a non-denominational Christian ministry that actually began in England and is now established in over 20 countries. They offer personal prayer ministry to those um, in need and offering training and equipping so people can help others more effectively. We'll be back in just a moment. 
Welcome back to 2020. We're speaking with Paul Ryan from LL Ministries in Sydney. Paul is a minister and a husband and father of six. He spent 25 years in counselling and teaching singles and couples about how to restore relationships. And just before the break, we were talking about the pitfalls that men and women make in a marriage. Paul, what are some of those pitfalls in these times of accelerated change? Well, I think it's actually, to be honest, it's the, probably the same issue for both men and women. And if I was to explain what that pitfall is, is more often than not, when we enter a relationship and begin a relationship with an, uh, someone of the opposite gender, we're looking for something to be filled in our heart by that other person that only God can fill. And so, to begin with a woman, if a woman's looking to a man to fill the gap in her heart that only God can fulfill, then that marriage is destined to falter somewhere. But often the man will be doing exactly the same thing. He'll be looking for a woman to fill a hole in his heart, to fill some need or some comfort in his heart that eventually she will not be able to fill. And again, when the pressure comes on and they realise the other isn't able to come up to the mark, then we're going to have some pressure. And I think we, you know, to break it all down, we break the first commandment. Thou shalt have no other gods before me, for I'm a jealous God in, uh, in the Ten Commandments. So it's actually idolatry. And it's just prevalent. I mean, our society just enters into it so readily without even seeing it, particularly when you listen to today's radio and you listen to the songs that point to that idolatry. You know, you'll hear choruses that say, you are my only desire, or I cannot live without you. So the idolatry is quite prevalent across our society without even realizing it. And I think that actually is probably the number one issue in marriage. We're looking to the other person to fill something in us that only a holy God can. A true marriage can only really work when each of the spouses recognize, I need to go to a holy God first to be my primary relationship. And in that deep intimacy with Abba Father, he can work out in me what needs to change and transform by the Holy Spirit that enables me to be everything I can be to my spouse and to my children. Now, as you're talking, I, I sense, you know, also that there's such a, a, a diverse change in our culture, our pop culture, what, what we used to hold dear, our social and moral values in the 50s and 60s to where we are at now has completely changed. You've developed even a course that you run specifically for men out of even your own journey through, I guess, your own wounds and, and through your marriage. Tell me a little bit about what you've developed through this course called Proven. Yeah, well, uh, the backdrop to it is, um, I guess, over the last, um, you know, two decades plus, uh, at least two decades with LL Ministries and, and then my own life and experience on top of that, uh, all the people that are coming here for help, we probably get two to two and a half thousand people a year come through our ministry centre that we want to invest in and try to reinforce and mature and help become more whole to go back to the front line to serve better in their local church. The one core problem that I've seen across the board is first of all, it's mostly women putting their hand up for help and very few men. So they then started to realise, I guess the, the realisation dawned on me, men don't seem to think they need any restoration. It's like as though we, we seem to think that we're all, we're all fixed. Uh, when in reality, most of the women that are coming here, when we investigate their lives and start to ask God to bring his healing to them, what we find is it's actually mostly men that have done the damage. As a man, that's kind of a hard pill to swallow, but when I look at the facts, that, that's the reality. I don't think God's ever removed male headship or authority from men, from the garden, uh, to this present day. But the problem is, I guess in some ways, uh, the, the assault on men has been significant enough that, I mean, we mostly fill the jails. Our fatherlessness shines uh, in all sorts of ways in which we then act that out through domestic violence or drunkenness or addictions. And then all those who are under our cover then suffer. And then, I mean, I, I personally don't think the feminist movement would have been born had we as men been able to respond in a way to 
get res- get healed and restored, women have had to rightly rise up to try to find ways to protect themselves because we've been failing them as men. So with that, I'm looking at men coming in who have all sorts of issues but don't recognise it. And someone will often say to me, often a woman, no, Paul, you don't understand. It's my mother that's, that's caused me all the pain. Uh, she's the one that manipulated control me. And I'll say, well, where was your father? Oh, he walked out when I was three. Oh, so you don't have a father wound then? You know, and before they get a chance to put a defence up, I'll say, now tell me about your mum's father. Oh, well, he used to abuse mum. And so, you know, from all fronts, wherever a man fails, a woman suffers. So I thought, what's the solution to that? So uh, uh, our Proven Men's event is looking at, I guess, in these fatherless times we find ourselves, where have men suffered? Where have they come under assault themselves? Where are we wounded? How do we help a man recognise those wounds and do it in a safe way? Because most guys, the truth is, we feel much safer opening our heart to a woman than we ever do to another man. Because our mums were safe emotionally often, but our dads were never safe. You know, if we were going to cry as a little boy, we're more familiar with the line, you know, stop crying or I'll give you something to cry about. But actually, that's not how the father wants to respond to it. So if I can help men through an event like our Proven Men's event uh, get real uh, and learn to allow in the fellowship of other men, you know, where two or three are gathered, there is Jesus in our midst. How do as men do we get together to work through these issues and invite a holy God in and go on a journey of masculine restoration to learn what it means to look like to be a, a better father, a better husband, and to look into the generations to come to bring that change? I guess that's the heart of what Proven is about. How hard was that course to develop when when you've actually yeah. had your own journey? Tell me about how you developed that through your own walk with God. Yeah, I'd say it took me about 50 years to develop that on the basis of getting smashed around myself. Uh, first of all, I nearly destroyed a marriage. Uh, my own father and mother were alcoholics, and so the, the carnage I brought into my own marriage. Now would be a good time to interview my wife, by the way, to hear you know some of the antics I got up to. I never wanted to deal with my own issues. I didn't want to acknowledge any of my own hurt, my own pain, or the, the false comforts I was running to and the, the addictions I'd seek comfort in rather than in a holy God, because I didn't trust Abba Father. So learning that, and also then, then along comes children. And uh, you know, marriage builds character. You'll find out what you're made of in the middle of a marriage. But if you think that's not enough, now bring some children into the marriage. You know, the sleeplessness and the stresses of that and a child demanding nurture from you that if you've not received that love and nurture from your own parents, then when your children start to look for it in you, it's very hard to find that to give away. And all that starts to surface, the questions in your heart about what is going on? Why do I respond this way? Where's this anger coming from? And uh, unless we have some way to understand what's gone wrong, what God's solutions are, then um, it's and also I thought is there a one weekend course is there a one day course can someone pray for me on the end of a prayer line and make all this go away I found that I was looking at a quite a longer restoration period than I thought because I was deeper down the well than I thought and uh, uh, so I guess my journey has been one of learning on the slow anvil of discipleship and sanctification that uh, there's no quick fix here but the one common solution always comes back to a holy God who wants to wash me clean He wants to change my heart from a heart of stone to a heart of flesh. And he wants to cause me to walk in his statutes in the ways I can never do by myself. That's something of my journey that's motivated me to try to invest in men in this way. What what impact does marriage, would you say, have on family life and, and I guess the children that are raised under the covering of marriage? Like we've spoken today a lot about marriage and where we're headed, but but where does it leave the next generation? Well, look, uh, I suppose back to my first response, if marriage is under attack... And if mums and dads are wounded coming to marriages and those wounds aren't getting sorted at the foot of the cross before they have children, and the truth is that, to be fair, everyone will take a journey. So no one's going to be a perfect parent. 
There was only one perfect parent uh, in terms of a holy God. But the reality is that if we're able to allow God to take us and to begin that journey of restoration for our hearts and to start to get healed and start to learn where it is where we don't trust him. Usually wherever our wounding is, it'll be an area where we've tried to fix it ourselves rather than let him bring the restoration. And if we're able to do that, then the next generation starts to get sorted. But the reality is that you know the hearts of the fathers will return to the children, the hearts of the children will return to the uh, the fathers, so that the curse of fatherlessness will be broken over this over a nation. It says over the land. It says in Malachi four verses five and six. And so I think that when we get marriages sorted, the next generation benefits because now we're able to better model what the heart of God is like to those that were the children that we're raising for the next generation. And then, if you like, my understanding and what I'm seeing as it comes out in the outplay of my own family, my own children, when I watch others who are on this journey, then as parents, the um, ceiling we're building in that character development then becomes the floor that the next generation walks on. In the days ahead, there's a lot of talk, obviously, with the plebiscite coming up. Where do you think we're at, basically, in relation to relationships and how we respond as Christians in in the environment we're in? Well, look, yeah, great question. I think um, ultimately there's definitely fear. I think uh, that's probably the core problem. You know, we've been uh, plastered with... with, um, placards as Christians that haven't been helpful but the truth is sometimes we've deserved those placards we've not known how to love or to come alongside or to paint a picture of a holy God that wants to love us first before he brings correction into our life I think sometimes we've pointed to the law but not with grace and I think that uh, those the days that lay ahead of us we're going to need to represent a father who is perfect love and how his perfect love can can bring a, a, a change in how we see ourselves and to bring the healing to the wounds that actually cause us to respond poorly, to reject truth as the scripture would point to it. And uh, I hope to be a part of that generation and to have influence in that way. Uh, that's my heart's desire anyway. If today's conversation has touched your heart and if you'd like to know more about LL Ministries, you can log on to their website. It's ellel.org.au. Paul Ryan, thank you for joining us on 2020. Thank you so much for having me. God bless. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.